Support for Sponsor Talk and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Welcome to the Sponsor Talk Podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways and how brands interact with properties in sports, arts, film, music, you name it. I'm today's co-host, Jason Smith. You can follow me at SponsorshipJ on Twitter or on LinkedIn to keep engaged with our Sponsor Talk community. Hopefully today you learn something new about the industry and challenges you to keep thinking differently. I want to introduce Constantine Dieterle, Head of Business Development with Beyond Sports. How are you doing, Constantine? I'm doing great. How about you? Good. Well, thanks for taking time with us today on Sponsor Talk. Uh, I think we have some really interesting content to go over today um, yeah. about, about what you do and, and your involvement with, with the NFL and Nickelodeon. And, and, um, and, and I would, we're, we're going to get into that. But beforehand, I, uh, you worked for eight years in ad tech with Google and, and AppLift and, and lived across the globe. You're in, you're in Amsterdam right now. What was your experience working, working in that industry? Uh, ad tech is kind of, it's, I mean, it's not as much the wild west as it used to be, uh, especially performance marketing and, and mobile marketing when it was, uh, you know, 10 years ago, when it, that was the beginning. Um, it's actually fascinating um, when you uh, when you think about what ad tech and performance marketing can do. And I mean, I was what twenty four when I uh, when I joined these companies, and then when I helped grow some of these companies, and and where I was able to talk to some of the the biggest brands you know um, uh, in the world right now, which is you know King, uh, you know, which does Candy Crush, but back ten years ago, nobody really knew them. And so you're able to actually have a glimpse into how a company works, what use acquisition does for them, what performance marketing does for them. So actually uh, for me as a, as a back then greenhorn, I was able to really learn a lot and actually see, you know, how do companies do marketing and how does this actually play into it? Um, and then more fascinating stuff when it comes to ad tech in general, it's actually everybody thinks when it's marketing, it's really creative. It's about coming up with the best campaign, but it's actually also a lot about data and data science. So a lot of companies are now hiring data scientists just to do all of the analysis on the campaigns, to do return on ad spend, uh, to do lifetime value calculations within a couple of days of a campaign running. Uh, so it's actually very fascinating and you learn a lot of, you know, about what a company does and, and how, how professional they are. That, that's amazing. No, thanks for sharing that. That's, there's, that's a whole nother world. And it's interesting how we're going to take that world and, and kind of see how that goes into branding and, and, uh, and, and, and sponsorship. Uh, but at, after university, what, what made you decide to take that path? Nothing. Cause in, in 2008, 2009, I was all set to, to actually go into financial services and consulting. Uh, but there was this, uh, this small thing called the financial crisis, uh, which kind of um, yeah hit worldwide. Um, so I, I then left Germany to, to move to Ireland to join Oracle as a telesales so literally just calling up companies and selling databases. But then within, um, within Ireland and within Dublin, there's all of these uh, tech companies that are the hubs for Europe. 
And so then uh, I, I was, yeah, I was lucky enough to find my way into Google, which obviously is a great company. Um, so, so that's how I entered that side. But in the beginning, that was never the, never the, the plan as it so happens. Tell us about Beyond Sports and how you're bringing sports communities, fan engagement into the AI world. Yeah, so Beyond Sports is, uh, is so I'm, I made the move from ad tech over to sports tech um, and, and kind of uh, got a glimpse into that world um, with a company also called Maikuju, which recently got acquired um, by 11 Sports. And so that kind of got, got, me, got me thinking and, and you know, I love that industry as well. I mean, it's very much entertainment and, and media and, and very much, you know, I mean, I'm a huge sports fan myself. So, so I was really always intrigued by it. And then having that data and AI aspect that Beyond Sports brings to the table is, is something that I didn't really know existed. I always knew that somebody has to do something with, you know, collecting all of that data that's being displayed and broadcast. So not being able to know that Lionel Messi ran, I don't know, 12 miles during the game. Um, so obviously there's all of these companies that do all of that positional uh, tracking yeah. of, of those, those athletes. And then what Beyond Sports does, which, which I still think is mind-blowing, and I have no idea because I'm not a techie, so I don't really know how they're doing it. But uh, there's, there's like matrix screen, screens in the, in the office where it's just data. And you know, we're able to visualize these, these coordinates on a pitch um, where players are running and make it into a, a virtual environment within, you know, within a couple of seconds. And that's, I think that allows not just for the fans, but also for broadcasters and for brands, a lot of new avenues to kind of play with that. Yeah. But ultimately, I think for the fans, it's really cool because I mean, I, for example, it's when I first, when I saw this for the first time, I was like, oh, cool. Can I, can I relive, a, you know, a scene from last weekend's game and see it from a different angle? So that gets something which is entertaining, something a bit new, but also for, I'd say, you know, the, 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 the guys that are a bit more analytical and that really want to see a scene from a different angle and kind of be the hobby coach from home. Um, you can also dive into this. So there's a lot of cool ways that AI actually facilitates this. Um, and I guess the users don't really know necessarily what, what it does and what the tech actually does. And sometimes they don't even care how it's done. They just want to use it um, and want to interact with it. Yeah. And what made, what made Beyond Sports decide they wanted to get into that specifically? Uh, that's a funny story, actually. So there's a couple of different pillars uh, that Beyond Sports is kind of uh, yeah working on um, or has been working on. So it ultimately just started with, I think, one of the very first VR headsets um, when it was still a Kickstarter, Oculus. Um, and it entered, and I think um, they worked. Um, so Beyond Sports was part of a bigger company, an IT company here in, in the north of Holland. And they had their hands on one of those first um, Oculus. I think it was called the Oculus Rift. Uh, and at the same time, Luis van Gaal, one of the, the biggest, uh, you know, football coaches was also there and was, you know, was, 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 was looking through, um, the, the simulation of a VR, um, roller coaster and really loved how, how immersive it was and said, I would love to have the ability to coach my players and my academy players with such a technology. Like, what can I do? Can come up with an idea? And so uh, then our two co-founders were in that room and said, well, okay, we can actually build an environment where you're able to relive an actual game based on those positional tracking data points. Um, uh, and we'd love to show you, so let's, let's build it. And then Van Gaal said, okay, cool, you have two weeks, uh, you know, do it. Um, and they were actually able to build a prototype and that was, I think seven, eight years ago, um, to build a prototype, show it to him. And that's how it kickstarted, really just from a, from a coaching and training perspective. And then it actually made its way into more, more um, yeah, pillars, let's say, where once you have that virtual environment, you can actually use it for broadcasting, for match analysis uh, and other stuff that we can go into. But that's how it started, um, which is actually quite quite funny. Yeah, and speaking of broadcasting, how, how does the company enhance that side of the business? 
So the, the main way that we currently um, use kind of the match analysis suite or the match analysis tool is um, with um, the PLP product or Premier League productions. Um, so, and like they're, they're, it's a central hub that does all of the um, productions for the Premier League outside of uh, England. Um, and so they, they distribute the feeds, they make sure that everybody um, of the, the international broadcasters has the rights, has the, the, the correct feed, and it's kind of a, a, single, a single product. And um, we send them analysis clips of scenes um, that they think are really important to, to relive and make kind of those, those um, yeah, VR um, 3D environment uh, so, yeah, moments for them so that they can then send them out to the broadcasters um, that they can you know, show a goal from a different angle. They can show a specific scene from a new angle so that it gives the viewers um, yeah, a, newer, a newer way to interact with the sport. It's also being used um, by uh, Sky Sports on Monday Night Football, where, for example, Jamie Carragher puts on the VR headset and actually moves around his head and, and is able to explain it in his words. Okay, well, if I were here, I would actually do this. And then, and then is able to kind of have a new engaging aspect of, of uh, match analysis, which is, uh, which is working very well. And, and what, what broadcast teams are you working with? I mean, outside of, we'll, we'll get into the Nickelodeon, you know, NFL piece, but what, what other examples of, of this technology are you working um, so we've worked with um, in the U.S. with NBC um, on on the Premier League. We've also we've also worked with Bean Sports on Champions League content in um, in I think in Middle East. Um, there's there's I mean a funny thing is um, and that's maybe kind of the the new school view of it in, in our in our world. I mean we we think broadcasters, which is also in a way Twitch is a broadcaster for us. Yeah. In a way, Snapchat and and and, and TikTok is a broadcaster. It's an outlet for, for to show content to to an audience that you want to reach where you want to reach them. And so we've always been kind of platform agnostic. We just want to make these cool clips or obviously live moments um, and then give them to whoever has a platform to share them with um, in any format that they want. It might be mobile, might be um, you know, TV, um, and then give them the ability to share that in, in, in the way that they want. And how are you working with, I know you work with some, some sports clubs and academies. What, how are you working with them? So with, um, as an example, for, so for the Dutch um, FA, so the, the KNVB, um, we have kind of a multi-year partnership with them. We've been working with them for the past couple of years. And there we do these kind of these pillared approaches where it's how can we, um, how can this technology on, the, um, on the, the performance side, on the player performance side of things and the training side of things, um, how can this enhance the performance of a player? And not just for the professional players, um, even there we see it, it does help if they're able to relive a decision of a past game where they you know, made the right decision or the wrong decision and they can actually put themselves in that position and, and see you know, what they've done wrong or again, what they should do again. But it actually really helps in the academy section where um, we've done a bit of research with the um, University of uh, Delft here. Um, that the, the, even just, I think, working with that VR headset twice a week for 15 minutes um, after a couple of months, you're able to take decisions much faster because you're in that, you know, it, it increases your spatial awareness and uh, up to one to two seconds, which obviously then if you do, or if you're able to make a decision one or two second, seconds faster in a professional football game, that's actually quite a lot. So it's also giving you that active edge. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, moving forward, um, it's not just about player performance because that obviously is limited um, in its applications and scale. Um, because obviously there's only that many clubs and associations in the world, um, you know, that, that want to use it. And also it's not, let's say the cheapest, uh, the cheapest way. Yeah. 
um, they are obviously looking at how can they use the same technology to then build um, applications um, and outlet content outlets um, to engage with kind of the younger the younger audience that they're after because um, you yeah, know obviously there's there's new content platforms out there that sports is competing with so they want to make it more interesting for the the next generation of sports fans to also engage with that content. That's super interesting. That's really interesting and 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 I think the the focus that I really that you know a lot of um, listeners especially here in the the U.S. are interested in learning about here is, you know, one of the other focuses that your company has is on is on um, a customized brand environment, right? And yeah. uh, and the most recent project you worked on was was during the NFL playoffs, and you created the 3D block players in in this partnership with Nickelodeon and the NFL for the Saints versus Bears wild card game. So so talk a little bit about uh, how did that partnership form. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's it always takes time, um, and then you know, at one point when somebody makes the decision, you never have enough time because then it's you know you have two or three weeks to prepare for it. But ultimately, um, the technology that we have, um, it, it only came from like a pure tech point of view and and the player performance point of view. We never really had that big focus on making it, you know, what what ultimately now it's starting to become, which is which is this new way to to engage with with live sports content. Um, so in the beginning, it was mainly about visualizing data and making sure that what data is being connected and collected is actually um, correct. Um, you know, being able to see if there's mistakes in, in the data that's being um, that's being connect, uh, collect, uh, collected. And then we've actually realized if we have the ability to visualize something in a humanoid, they call it humanoid form, yeah. still creates kind of this weird feeling because obviously we don't have a team of 300 developers or engineers or 3D artists that, you know, EA has in order to create the best animations, you know, we have a limited team here. And um, so you get into that uncanny valley effect where even though you have human looking skeletons or like players running on the field, it doesn't necessarily look that real. Um, and so the NFL came to us about a year and a half ago, not even but just, I think two or three weeks before the AFC championship game, um, which was last January. Um, sorry, a year ago, more than a year ago, and said, "We'd love to do something for you uh, together with you on on your vision of visualization. Um, let's you know, let's let's build a cool a cool platform. Let's stream it on Twitch. Uh, let's show what we can do." And why um, did and they? Said, why did they? Why did they want to do that? What What was their intention? Because I mean, I guess they realized there's 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 ways for this content to live somewhere. The thing with that specific test, what it was geo blocked in the Netherlands, so obviously yeah. it was low risk. Um, in the Netherlands, I think that game was at I don't know 10 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. So it was almost at night. I think even later. Um, so they were they were looking they were willing to actually take a bit of a risk and say like, what happens if we live stream a full NFL game? Um, and then we said, well, we don't have the time to actually build the entire humanoid version of it. Let's actually go easy and let's build our blockies. And we built the blockies in a couple of weeks. Um, and actually, the blockies worked extremely well. So we've uh, we've run this uh, this Twitch stream of the AFC Championship game alongside the linear TV stream, which had the actual game yeah. here in the Netherlands. And uh, the viewership was five times higher on Twitch than on the linear stream. <laughs> so that actually, that actually got us thinking, okay, we've got something here. And that's also the the kind of the little push that the NFL needed to then come back to us, um, you know, for for the wildcard game and say, let's do this again and let's make it a bit bigger. And it's also get an actual broadcaster on board, so um, we can actually be a bit more creative and have an actual an actual plan uh, and and see what we can do with it. And that's also just have fun with it. I think that's something yeah. that um, a lot of sports broadcasters and also like sometimes you forget that it's, it's obviously it's business. And, you know, there's there's millions and billions behind it and lots of jobs, so it's important to not mess it up. 
but there's also a, you know, like uh, just the fun aspect of it. If you want to watch sports, you want to you want to enjoy it. It's entertainment. Um, maybe that's a reason why esports e is, is is taking up so you know it's, it's picking up so much speed. Um, so I think the NFL was was in a great spot to to just go ahead and take a take a shot and take a bit of risk, um, and it paid off. Yeah, what type what type of brand equity came out of the partnership? Not just for for the NFL and Nickelodeon, but also for Beyond Sports too. I mean, for us, it's great because uh, conversations like we are having now probably wouldn't have happened without Blocky. So that's yeah. that's a, that's a good one. Uh, I think for us, I mean, we it's actually funny because the the Blocky character itself is something that we never thought would be such a thing. I mean, we kind of knew that Blocky had potential um, or like non-humanoid has potential, but um, the fact that people are, are okay with seeing highlights or a full game in a non-humanoid way actually um you know is something that we didn't expect in that in that shape or form um for example the nfl we actually did um and um, yeah an, a broadcast with the nfl not a broadcast we we did a highlight reel in blocky of the super bowl just for the nfl network and that they just posted on reddit just to see how the reddit community would react to this even that reddit almost as a broadcast as a platform to share content on that worked very well the comments were really good um, so, so I think the Blocky brand equity is really, yeah, thriving on this, and obviously it has potential. And I think Blocky is something that can actually become a lot bigger um, than we anticipated or planned. Um, so that's exciting. You're putting some. Um, hash- you're putting some hashtags behind it too. Yeah, life of Blocky is, uh, is something Blocky. that we're we're trying to to get out there. So it's a, uh, and it's a cool. I mean, honestly, it's it's a cool little. You know, it's not a guy, it's not a girl. It's an it. You know, it's a Blocky. It's yeah. inclusive. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't discriminate. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great, yeah, a great blocky to have. Um, and we, we have big plans with blocky and I think it's, um, it's a really cool character to, to play with. And what kind of planning came into that whole blocky experience? I guess back then it was really just, what can we do, which, which is easy to create, which can mimic some, obviously some human movement because these sports are dependent on the human skeleton in a way. Um, and it needs to be able to, to people need to look at it and understand what, you know, what happens. Um, I guess there's been a bit of inspiration from the likes of Roblox, Minecraft, um, because these, these characters obviously are appealing. Um, but um, yeah, it's just the 3D team uh, coming together and the, the graphical team, let's, you know, let's, let's go ahead with this. And it worked um, and it looks fun. It looks cute. Um, and you know, you can be even thinking about um, building your own blockies, having a website ready where you can actually maybe take a picture of your yourself and it'll create a blocky version of you and you can actually play with that in the game. You can place it in the game. So there's a lot of, a lot of cool ideas that we have to make blocky a, a nice thing. That's so fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and did it take very long to implement that? No, again, because, um, and that's a good thing. Once kind of, if something is modeled after that, that kind of human skeleton, um, so it's basically just, just yeah. overlays, it just overlays yeah. off of what the video is, right? And just... Exactly. And, and you can plug and play anything you want. If if the NFL wanted to build a, a Fortnite uh, game, you know, the characters are there, the animations are there. We can almost yep. replicate that. I mean, I wouldn't say instantly. I mean, you, would, you want to make it look good, but in a yeah. couple of days and weeks, you'd have you have it up and running. So it's uh, the That's engine pretty is, amazing. is plug and play. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And, and you, the whole blocky experience, there, there was a lot of social media buzz around it. And I think I read that it had around 2 billion impressions on social. Is that right? I read that too. It's kind of mind blowing because again, from my ad tech background, it was like 2 billion impressions. That, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, that's a whole lot of impressions. 
Uh, so um, I'll take, I mean, it's not us putting out those numbers. I've, I've read yeah. them on, on the, I think, uh, Viacom's website. So uh, it's them putting them out. So that's, so that's great. That's a ton. That's a ton. Well, yeah. we might have to fact check that, but 2 billion is a lot of impressions. But so Absolutely, talk, yeah. talk about the, uh, the social strategy around helping, around helping these, these brands. Um, I think the funny aspect, again, with this is, I mean, there wasn't, again, that huge amount of planning going that went into it. So just we knew it was going to go well. I mean, the people closest to the project, you know, the, the producer of the Nick game, for example, um, CBS and also our contact NFL, NFL, we always knew that this has potential and this can go huge. If this is something that gets picked up, um, you know, it'll go viral. That's for sure. And it did. So, I mean, we kind of knew we didn't anticipate these huge numbers, but People were, you know, tweeting about it. Um, there's, there's been recap videos on YouTube where people have been, I mean, it, those have been viewed a million times. Um, obviously, Instagram has been blowing up. Then on Reddit. So there's all of these platforms which have picked up that, that content and, and, yeah, and liked it. I think maybe a benefit, obviously, is because it was new and there was obviously also the, all the buzz around the, the, the Nickelodeon game to begin with. So maybe a second time around, it wouldn't hit those same numbers. Um, but you know, the, as, as a good viral tweet or as a good viral content piece goes, I mean, the nev it never really has that amount of planning. It's just create cool content, make it and make it fun, make it engaging. And then, um, you know, the, the audience will pick it up and, and, and go with it. Do you feel like this is something that, that the NFL will want to do for every NFL game out, out there, whether it be in the playoffs, regular season, maybe not, maybe not the full season, but, but part of the season, what type of discussions are going on there? Um, I don't think that this is something that would work every single game. Like, it's, sure. there's there's obviously opportunities to do it. You know, every other uh, week or or maybe one game a week. Yeah. Um, depending again a bit on on the outlet. Uh, if if it's something that you know you make available, again, there's a whole discussion that has to happen on you know the audiovisual rights and the the whole data rights. So that there's that's a whole separate piece, um, that takes a lot of you know um a lot of conversation, but. Content like this can, I think it can work if it's on the right platform, maybe not on TV, maybe it's something that's on Nickelodeon, uh, maybe just on the NFL network, maybe something just on Twitch or on TikTok, like it, all of these platforms serve a purpose. And again, it doesn't have to all look the same. The good, the good thing is um, even on, on a mobile application that we're currently you know, um, testing here in the Netherlands, all of this is run um, client side. So basically if I wanna watch that game in Lego, I can because I like Legos. And yeah. the data is being rendered on the phone. The engine runs on the phone. Um, I just I just get the data points. I don't even get a video feed. So the, the the consumption of my mobile data is actually very low as well because it's all being rendered on the phone. If somebody else prefers Roblox, um, obviously he can he or she can watch the game on Roblox. So it's it's actually fully personalized if you if you so like it. So it's again it's more about you know what do people want to see and and what are you know brands comfortable with 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 using. Are you going to apply the blockies to other leagues too, or has this kind of spurred some additional conversations? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's blockies already here in the Netherlands with the Dutch Editor VZ, so we okay. actually have an application with them where um, we can watch even live games. Currently, um, we don't have the live games, but um, you can watch highlights of the past games. You can actually create your own clips as a user. You can go in and change perspectives, tap on the on the players, and then go into their first person view, zoom out, zoom in. So all of this is already possible. Um, obviously, then on the Premier League, we we have uh, blockies that are ready, uh, but they obviously we want to work also quite closely with um, the English Premier League to to make something happen. So the blockies are ready. The blockies, you know, they we have uh, ice hockey blockies uh, already designed. Um, uh, NBA blockies are, are around the block, literally. So that's, that's also great. interesting. So uh, yeah. no, the, the blockies are here to stay. That's awesome. That's great. Um, 
what are other ways you're helping brands with, with AI and data? Um, so here it's, and again, that's always that, that, that interesting, I think, fine line that you have to travel with because it's the brands don't necessarily own the sports content. So you have the rights holders, then yeah. you have the tech companies kind of in between. So you always ideally want to have a win, 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 win situation where everybody who's kind of involved, um, um, you know, is able to, to, to get something out of it. Doesn't necessarily always have to be monetary. It could also be obviously more viewers, et cetera. Um, so we rarely just go to a brand and say, hey, let's make something cool because obviously there's a rights holder um, that we have to work with as well. And that's important that it fits, you know, the audience of that rights holder. Um, but obviously if a brand um, wants to do something cool, we wouldn't say no. Obviously we'd be happy to make conversations happen with the leagues or yeah. if the league says, hey, look, we have this really cool partnership with our main sponsor. Um, what could you do? Obviously then we want to have a discussion together and form a nice partnership where everybody um, you know, can, can get creative um, and, and find the right way to, to position it because obviously you don't want to have full environment, which is, even though it looks cool, obviously in Lego, it's, it probably works very well because it's, it's so close to heart and having a Lego stadium and Lego players on the pitch, it works very well, but you have to really be careful not to, to kind of just make a product placement show out of it and a sponsor show out of it. It needs yeah. to, you know, it needs to be easy on the eye. It needs to be something that, and I don't want to really quote TikTok, but I will, because I've, I have a couple of friends that work there and um, they <laughs> say, we don't make ads, we make TikToks. And it's kind of that that feeling. You want to make sure that it's not seeing as a full game, which is an advertisement, because um, that's not really fun. But it should be always an engaging way to to get get the brand um, exposure, which already helps. Well, even with Nickelodeon, you know, it yeah. was a, it was a brand that wasn't really watched as much than it went as of like you know twenty years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And and. Uh, you know, I, I would assume that 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 was part of their their strategy was to to really increase that viewership of Nickelodeon and get Nickelodeon back out there. Was that was that a discussion that you had with with the broadcast team as well there, even with the with the NFL and the football games? Yeah, so that was always their plan. But again, I think the cool thing there is I don't think people overthought it that much. I think it's really we just want to make something cool. That's fun. Uh, the producers really always said, like, let's have the blockies here. And that's, and obviously there was all the AR effects, which, which also happened, which was cool, the slime. It's just about what can be created to maybe just think a bit, you know, outside of, of, of our comfort zone. Just don't make it an, a normal broadcast. I even like the, 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 I think young Sheldon, when, 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 you know, when he popped up to explain a couple of plays, it was actually funny because we were here in the, in the Netherlands watching the game and, you know, American football, as we call it, is, uh, yeah. is not that big here. And so actually yeah. it was great to, to get a bit of explanation. And, and you, know, and, you know, it reminds me of the, the what's the movie called? Um, Philadelphia, uh, where um, I think Denzel Washington always says, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. Like it's always this, you know, you don't necessarily understand the rules. You want to, you know, it's, so it's, it's great to bring that fun back and don't take yourself too seriously. Um, I think that's great to have that in sports and it's not, I mean, obviously it's great for Nickelodeon because they're able to build on that and it fits their audience perfectly. Um, and, and I hope that obviously this kind of, this kind of content is, you know, not just for our own sake, but also for the audience that, that, that should enjoy this, um, is able to watch it. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant way to help tie in Nickelodeon and get that brand, um, Absolutely. some, some, some increased exposure and it was, it was perfect. Yeah. Uh, and you touched on this a little bit, um, with sponsorship. Um, but do you feel like sponsorship can play into this AI world of sports? And, and if so, like how, I mean, how is, whether it be a team or a brand that sponsors a team really be able to use this, this AI 
to in, in sponsorship? I mean, there's the kind of the, the easy or like obvious ways where, you know, and it takes a bit of thinking um, and it's a bit abstract, but for example, you know, if I'm again, for lack of a better example, if I'm Coca-Cola and I'm sponsoring, you know, this league or this tournament, this competition, or just that club, you could recreate a full game or just highlights and it doesn't need to be in a stadium. That's the thing. Like you can play it in a Coca-Cola bottle. You can have people yeah. play it underwater in Coke or something. I mean, you have to really, you can be creative and it, it should be something that it's, that is, that is fun and engaging and, or you can, you know, can actually add filters. You can add the ability to, to, you can even launch kits if you want to, you can have the new Coca-Cola sponsored kit that is just available within that, that 3d simulation. Um, there's, you know, there's a whole side of thing which are, is related to NFTs, which is really interesting, which I mean, obviously already NBA does with, with Top Shot. Uh, you, can, you can recreate blocky plays and, and have them as collectibles, which are you know, sponsored by. Uh, so there's, there's a whole lot of ways that are really abstract in terms of traditional sports, because you know, that's, that's where we come from. And this is all virtual. This is all happening in a 3D environment that, you know, that obviously mimics and is based on the, the real thing. Um, but, but I think, and there's even, there's, there's so much other cool stuff that you can go into. There's probability mapping. So obviously because we have all of that, that tracking data and we're able to, to actually map, you can even go in and say, Coca-Cola says, um, you know, if I place the player a bit more to the right, what would happen? Or what if, what if he had passed to the left instead of to the right? What, are the, what is the probability that he would have scored? Um, so that you can, you can obviously sponsor all of those things, but I think it's really about, again, coming together and thinking, what does my audience want? What do I, what kind of image do I want to actually bring across and, and then, you know, get creative and there's actually no limits because it's all, you know, it's all virtual. So this sounds actually like if, if there's a brand that wants to implement this in or a team or what, what, what on either side, it sounds like it would be with the technology you guys have built that it would be expensive. Is this, is this something that, that would be affordable for somebody to go, Hey, we want to integrate this. This would be a great sponsorship activation piece. Um, what, what is, what is that? What's the, what's the structure of it? You don't have to get into real specific yeah. details on that, but like, what's the model for that? It depends a bit. So for example, here in the Netherlands, we, we actually work on a full partnership um, with, with the league where it's, you know, we, we work on this together, um, the technology, obviously there's, there's years of, of development. So there's obviously an IP cost that, that we have to cover and there's, there's running costs that we have, et cetera. So, so those are always uh, part of it, but that's not a one-off thing in that partnership model because here it's about, let's look what we can do. Let's work with the existing sponsors to make something cool. Um, and then at the end we share uh, the revenue. So there's a, a full revenue share uh, model there, which is applicable. And then there's a bit more one-offs where we say, we just want to do this one-off cool thing. Um, there's obviously a development cost involved for this. There's some art cost involved. There's the production in a way. So almost like a production yeah. studio. Yeah. Um, but it's not like it's a, it's a million dollar production that has to happen, which is running in the back. So there's obviously, you know, there's, there's different ways. And, and again, it depends if we have to build a whole new stadium, which you can zoom into. Um, that takes time. That takes maybe a couple of weeks to build this whole new environment and, and animate these new characters. Um, but it's, but it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's all depends a bit on how much do you want to add to it? And, yeah. and then, and that's always up for negotiation anyways. Yeah. I was just sitting here listening to you talk about it. I'm like, man, this seems like it would be <laughs> just with the technology that you've built, that it would be, be that way. So it seems like if, if someone's wanting to implement it, it's, 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 you know, wouldn't be any different than if you're getting a broadcast team to, to yeah. a, produ or a production a studio team. team, right? A production, exactly. Yeah. A production studio. 
And you right. don't even need, I mean, this can all be run virtually. We've done, we've done actual broadcasts where you don't need to be on premise because it's all, yeah. all we need is that, so we get the data. I mean, the funny thing is with the, uh, the, that AFC championship game that we've done uh, a year ago, um, it's, we had the, the footage faster than the, 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 the video feed because data travels faster than video images. So, so we actually were, we were ahead of time. So we had to build in, uh, um, you know, a delay into outputting the Twitch feed because we would have been faster um than the than the the, the video <laughs> that's feeds. interesting so it's, yeah it's really interesting yeah so the, so yeah. these things no we don't need to be there so there's obviously also some advantages of not having especially in, in the COVID world we don't need to be on premise it yeah. can all be be done on a, obviously on a powerful machine you need a good machine to run it on uh but other than that um it can be done yeah from from wherever you are all you need is internet that's the main thing yeah that's great um how, how will the next generation of sports fans interact with sports content do you think uh, yeah, I think if we're looking at, at I mean, we've done a bit of studies and, and in general, if you look at the, you know, the next generation, let's say it's Gen Z, which is, you know, 13 to 25, I believe at the moment. Um, I'm, we're not so sure how much sports they actually watch, especially live sports, which is, you know, 60, 90, 120 minutes continuously. I don't think, I mean, even I probably don't do that anymore. I have a phone on the side. I have a tablet on the side. I might be doing something here. I might be tweeting about something. So it's, it's rare to get somebody's full attention for that long, unless it's something that they really care about. Yeah. So I think if, you know, we're competing not against sports properties or other sports broadcasters, we're competing against, again, the TikToks, the Snapchats of the world, uh, esports, you know, gaming, um, entertainment. So it's how do you actually, you know, um, get these, these guys interested in, in what sports and these, these sports broadcasts actually are. I think sometimes, um, you know, sports, especially the elite side of sports, um, gets a bit of a bad rap because it's, you know, like the, the media makes it look like, oh, it's all of these, these billion dollar contracts and these celebrity players, you know, maybe it's almost a bit too far to reach. So um, I think having a solution like this or being able to, to provide content, which is more tangible, um, you know, let it be if, it, if it's in an application that you can then, you know, put yourself in. I mean, we even have the ability to take um, a screenshot of a, a picture of your face. You can actually place it onto the humanoid character and become the player on the pitch. So these fun things, creating clips, having something which is a bit more snackable, I think is still something that, um, you know, that, that, that is attractive to the younger audience. Um, and then hopefully you get to, you know, to convert them into, into, into um, yeah, sports fans that are willing to watch a game for a bit longer. And then they, they kind of they enter the, the machine of, uh, of becoming an actual sports fan. I was going to tell you, I, I definitely need to get with you offline. I want to create a blocky, a personal yeah. block, me, me in a block. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. So yeah. yeah, let's definitely do that. I want one too. Yeah, we've yeah. done a couple of them. <laughs> And uh, we've done one for the Super Bowl halftime show. And we've actually haven't really shown and only I think on, on, on Twitter we've posted it. Uh, we've done a weekend blocky version. We've done a, a blocky version of Bernie Sanders with the mittens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've done a couple great. of, uh, so it's just like these, these fun ones. I mean, again, it's, we need somebody that's there to actually build it. But if there's a way to, to have one automatically, that's, that's obviously um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, Constantine. I appreciate Cheers. that. I, I have a few questions I'd, I'd like to ask my guests when they come on. What makes you get up in the morning and do what you do? Uh, so at the moment, and again, in that crazy uh, Corona COVID times that we live in, um, I wake up early in the morning to, uh, to Zwift. I'm, I've become an avid Zwifter, which is, uh, uh, yeah, racing and riding in the morning at 5.30, 6 a.m. Uh, with, a, with a cycling club that I've joined about a year ago on, on Zwift. 
Um, and I've actually turned into streaming my races. So I've actually streamed a race yesterday. I've become that's a Twitch fun. streamer last week. So that's yeah. amazing. So that's that's great, not just for becoming obviously staying active, but also like literally in terms of mental health, having a certain routine in the morning is great. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously um, working with uh, the colleagues that I have is, is great to, to be able to see what they're, what they're building and, and looking and talking to, you know, being able to talk to to broadcasters or partners and these big associations. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's not every day that you talk to somebody from the NFL that's high up, that's making decisions or somebody from the UEFA that's talking to broadcasters or FIFA. Um, so like being able to, to help these organizations um, understand and, and kind of um, develop relationships with and coming up with strategies to, to, to kind of target the younger sports audience. That's, that's awesome. And what do you feel like the future holds for beyond sports? Only good things, right? <laughs> yeah, all, harnessing all good things. Exactly. Um, no, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's we're kind of lucky because there's not that many companies um, out there that do exactly what we're doing. So we, we do have, I'd say, a competitive edge in this sense. But again, it's tech. So tech is moving very fast. So you never really know what's happening. Um, but um, again, as you said before, like I think blocky is something that's that's really interesting to focus on. And then just getting more sports on board. I mean, NBA is something that's around the corner. We, we're building the basketball engine. Um, so that should be interesting because they're also a very um, innovative and creative uh, league. Um, so, so that's what we're you know, continuously focusing on and more creations, more creativity and, uh, and helping those leagues uh, make sense of uh, their data. And ideally even, I mean, that's maybe the, as a, as a nice closing remark, usually when you, when you connect, uh, collect these, these data points and these tracking solutions, they're not cheap. So you have to pay for them. You have to implement them in all the stadiums. Um, our solution can actually help monetize that uh, and then create new revenue streams, which um, should be interesting for, for those leagues. Constantine Dieterlet, Head of Business Development for Beyond Sports. Thanks, Constantine. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsor Talk on Twitter and at the Sponsorship Space on LinkedIn and join our community if you're interested in learning more. Thanks and have a great day.